Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Parasol Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, joined alongside Connor Morissette. We got to talk about some uh, big time um, breaking news. Yeah, it broke a few days ago, but uh, obviously, Alex Grinch, USC's defensive coordinator, was relieved of his duties by head coach Lincoln Riley. So we're going to talk about that. It was a strange kind of week around practice uh, this week. So we want to get Connor was there for everything. A lot of media availability for Lincoln Riley, uh, the co-defensive coordinators, Sean Nua and Brian Odom, some defensive players talk. So we're going to get into all of that. I was actually uh, in Vegas for USC basketball, which kicked off on Monday. So I didn't get to see what was going on on campus. So I'm going to be relying on what Connor has to say too. Um, so thank you all for, if you're joining us live on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash inside Troy. Thank you very much. Um, you have questions or comments, put them in the chat box and I will try to either put them up on the screen or star the questions for later in the show. Uh, and we'll try to answer them, uh, later on. We also have a bunch of, um, emails we're going to get to uh, a little bit later on. And if you want to email us, you can do that uh, by sending an email to podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can call or text us at 424 424- uh, 254-9141 is the number. So we appreciate your voicemails and emails and texts and, and all that kind of fun stuff. And if you happen to have the Apple Podcasting app, we haven't had a uh, review for a while. So send us a review over there on Apple or Spotify, wherever you watch it um, or listen to the show. We appreciate when you do that. And uh, we appreciate you just listening, watching. Some people are just listening on the podcasting app. Not just listening, but that's where you're listening to it. Some people are watching on YouTube live or uh, later on. So however you're consuming it, and we know a lot of you do, we kept, uh, you know, well, I want to welcome in Connor, but every time we walk around, people come up and like, hey, listen to the show, watch the show. So we appreciate when you uh, come say hi and appreciate everyone listening to the show. And I appreciate you coming in, Connor. How are you? Oh, I, I love doing these. I'm doing well. Big game this week up in Eugene. You ready for it, Ryan? Oh, is, it, is that happening this weekend? <laughs> yeah. Uh, There's US, a game? And USC's going in with uh, two new coaches leading the defense. So what a what a crazy week. You're right. I, of course, was uh, at a wedding on Sunday because my buddy got married back in Massachusetts. So after the USC game on Saturday night, I took a red-eye flight, hoping that nothing would really happen on Sunday and Monday. And, of course, that uh, didn't occur. So... I wasn't even around for Monday's practice. That was Chris and Jack. Oh, yes. Mike and Riley spoke. But I, I was there yesterday. I can definitely relay everything that everyone had to say there. But, uh, yeah, I tried to sneak away for a couple of days and got burned. Yeah, go back to work, Connor. <laughs> yeah, there's, it's, that's what happens, you know. Uh, it's Oh, the breaking news happens right when you got to go. It, it was funny, too. So, of course, with the three hours ahead on the East Coast, the wedding was a little bit earlier. So it started at 2.15 uh, Eastern. And right when everything got going is when – Grinch got fired and I'm on my phone trying not to be rude, but like, oh my God, is this really happening right now? So no one cares about my plight, but the timing really couldn't have been worse for me. On to uh, this week though, and excited now to be back and ready to just, just attack this week. Yeah, we got a lot to get to, so we'll get to all that. Now, like I said, if you're on YouTube Live, uh, very we thank you very much for doing that. Um, if you have a question, just put question in the front and then I'll start and we'll get back to it later. 
Any of the super chats that come in, we always put those right at the top. So if you you're, uh, so, feel so inclined, you can uh, definitely do that. And I just let you know, um, and it's funny, there's a lot of people, Connor, when we meet them, they listen to the show or they watch on YouTube um, and they don't necessarily go to the website where most of our work is done. So make sure you go check out uscfootball.com. And if you want to subscribe, they have a 50% off deal right now. So go check it out. Half off. Uh, you can't beat it. And uh, make sure you check it out. But yeah, there's a lot of people, Connor, I know you've, you've talked to them too. They're just like, they listen to podcasts. Like they're not sure what your website is or really what you do. It's just, they know you have a podcast and they listen to that. It's kind of funny. It's a good week to sign up for the website too, because a lot of the defensive coordinator rumor stuff will be behind a paywall. And then the threads, everyone is so excited on the peristyle about the future. And Hey, maybe this guy can lead the defense. Here's who I like. Here's who I don't like. Here's why I like them. Here's why I don't like them. A lot of breakdown from us, but also from fans about who they want to see as the next defensive coordinator about who they want to see uh, Lincoln Riley hire. So I think anytime we hear anything, too, with the War Room, we'll be passing little nuggets around, which is yes. another feature that subscribers get. So it is a really good time right now to join. Make sure you go check it out. And, uh, yeah, you will not uh, – you'll be the most informed USC fan around. And uh, this is – it's hard to believe we're already in November. Uh, what is today? The 8th? November 8th. Yeah, time flies. Like a weekend in November already. But that means, like, Thanksgiving is coming up. <laughs> so the big thanks to uh, Trader Joe's, my favorite time of the year – over there, and you always wait for the Fearless Flyer. So go to TraderJoe's.com. Uh, it just came out a couple days ago, so we get to talk about it. Um, but, you know, and I know everyone's looking for turkeys and how you're going to do, you know, all that. So the turkeys for Trader Joe's, uh, November 9th. Uh, they will be arriving November 9th. So there you can get organic young turkeys, all-natural brine turkeys. So I like brining the turkey, but they have pre-brined turkeys for you. Um, and... Uh, yeah, they have kosher turkey. There's there's a lot of uh, cool turkey stuff you can get over at Trader Joe's. I mean, Thanksgiving, you know. Um, they got the turkey gravy over there. Uh, different gravy you can just buy if you don't want to make it. Um, a lot of the the kind of fall seasoning things that you can use. Um, you can buy even a fully cooked uh, brined bone-in uh, half turkey breast. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of stuff you can get over there. So if you're having Thanksgiving by yourself or a huge group, Make sure you get over to Trader Joe's. But like my favorite time of the year, Connor, for I, this is that's my favorite meal of the year is the Thanksgiving. Me too. I, I love Thanksgiving. I'm lucky to have a couple of my old roommates are chefs and they oh. make amazing Thanksgiving food. And I always stick around Los Angeles during this time, just with a lot of stuff going on with football and, and, and basketball starting up. So I'm always here, and they're usually here too. And they're, uh, we're all gonna be together this year. And they make amazing food. They get it all from Trader Joe's, of course, and it is so so tasty. Nice. Okay. Well, uh, let's get into what I mentioned before: the breaking news, and uh, obviously, never like celebrating people losing their jobs, families are involved, kids, everything. Um, but the fan base was. I mean, it, it, since you've joined the staff, Connor, no one could. I mean, it was pretty united that people didn't want to see Alex Grinch be the defensive coordinator anymore. They had their reasons watching the end of last season. Lincoln Riley had his reasons to keep him around. When he said those to us, it, it made sense to me. Obviously, it didn't work. Um, you know, it's maybe, uh, probably later in the process than people would have liked, but it finally happened. And uh, Alex Grinch uh, is no longer the defensive coordinator at USC, relieved of his duties. And uh, linebackers coach Brian Odom and uh, defensive line coach Sean Nua are going to be taken over as co-defensive coordinators. So I don't, we haven't really got to get your take on this. I, I talked about this on Tunnel Vision stuff, so love to hear uh, what you have to say about it. 
I think it was totally the right time to let go of Alex Grinch. That Washington game, that was sort of the last straw. USC not being able to line up right, which Shotgun talked a lot about on Tunnel Vision, just how before even the ball was snapped, the team would be out of position. That, of course, is a major problem, and, and that led to a change. My overall take, Ryan, is that Alex Grinch, I do think he needed to go, but I hope in the future Lincoln Riley learns from this whole experience because I think fundamentally USC needs a different approach to defense, and it's not just going to be one new coordinator coming in and being the CEO of the defense and Riley's the CEO of the offense. I think philosophically Riley needs to change what he does defensively. And a couple weeks ago he was asked on his Thursday press conference, he said in the offseason you'd focus more on the defense. What does that look like during the season? And he said, I have spent a little bit more time there, but I'm game planning on offense as the play caller every week. And we all know that the last time an offensive play caller as a head coach won a national championship, that was Jimbo Fisher way back with Florida State. It's really hard to compete at the highest level if you're calling the offense as a head coach. And I'm not saying Lincoln Riley needs to change what he's doing there. He's a brilliant play caller, and we all know that. But I just think what he's done in his time as a head coach at Oklahoma and to now, why the defenses have never been very good. I think some of the blame falls on him, of course, because he spends so much time on offense and down the line. I just hope this is a wake up call for him because like I said, I don't think it's just as simple as, okay, someone new comes in and USC is good to go. I think they need to think differently about how the whole staff approaches defense. And I think Riley is a guy who just turned 40. He has a lot of time to adjust and make these changes. I, I just hope now defense has been a pretty big problem for him as time has gone on. And I hope that this is a wake up call. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I feel like everything you said makes a lot of sense. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I, I'm not thinking that Lincoln Riley was sort of forcing Alex Grinch to do some of the things that he was doing. There could be, you know, no, I, I think Alex Grinch had total control yeah. and it, it, it didn't work. And I think as a head coach, the best college coaches in recent years, the guys who win, of course, recruit at the highest level. But a lot of these guys are the CEOs, the guys who oversee yes. the whole program. And it, it's tough to to want Riley to be a CEO because his strength and his superpower is calling offense. So I, I don't think he needs to change that. But And I guess I just don't have a magic fix for it. But something needs to be different. Consistently, when USC and Oklahoma lost when Lincoln Riley was the coach, they're giving up over 40 points. And, and the defense can't stop anything. I think... That starts with the head coach. The defensive coordinator is, of course, in charge of the defense. But when the same problem has been happening year after year after year and the team has some great offensive players, some good defensive players, it, it can compete for conference championships, but really struggles to win at the highest level. I think the problem has been pretty consistent and Riley needs to make a change. Yeah. I, and, you know, Dan Weber is someone who brought this up. We brought this up on Tunnel Vision. Uh, USC's had four quarterbacks in a row as head coach. And if you're a quarterback you wear a different jersey in practice and you don't get hit. And there's that mentality is a little different than if you were a defensive line coach or something, then, you know, that's, that's all you did or you do that as much as you could. So I'm curious to see, you know, Alex Grinch had been with Lincoln Riley for a while. If you go out and get an outside defensive coordinator, um, there's a bunch of names out there. Make sure you go check out uscfootball.com for the hot board, some really good names and notes about all those guys. Do they come in and, this was why I was always advocating for bringing in people from the outside. USC kept promoting from within because everyone knew how USC did things. But USC did things poorly and no one ever changed. So if you bring in an outside defensive coordinator and someone that comes in, this is, you know, I brought the same thing up with the athletic director stuff. You kept hiring inexperienced former players that didn't know what they're doing. Mike Boat at least had experience and run things other places and could look around and go, 
yeah, this stuff isn't right, you know? And I think if you hire a defensive coordinator and he goes, oh, this is the practice schedule. I need, the, I, I want a period for this. I want a period for that. There'd be some input there. And maybe it's, they're running it exactly the way he would want it, but maybe he would want to change a few things. Like we're doing a, we need at least, the, you know, one goal line period uh, twice a week or whatever it is. Something where you have a, a strong defensive mind coming from outside the program that can give new ideas to like, this is how we're going to make this work and marry this good defense with your already ridiculous offense. So I, I, I think it's really important to get this higher, right? And it's a strong voice that could come in and, you know, you're not telling the CEO what to do, but you're making strong suggestions that you could work together and make a better defense. And right now, Josh Henson is the offensive um, coordinator, but like, we all know he's working a lot more with the line, and it's Riley who's overseeing all of the offense. Could it help to put more overall offensive duties on the offensive coordinator? Riley still works with them, but then he's focusing more defensively. Just overall, I, I'm beating a dead horse. Something needed to change. I also think a second thought I had on this, Ryan, is I feel like Caleb Williams, that big emotional thing he had with his mom after the game, like he's playing so well and he's doing everything he can. And I think Riley failed Caleb a little bit this year because Caleb trusted Lincoln Riley that the defense would be better. He trusted Alex Grinch, and it just has not been good enough, obviously. And I do think there is enough talent. People are divided on this. I don't think the defense talent-wise is as bad as we've seen. I think the coaching has just been really, really ineffective and really, really costly. And ultimately, Caleb Williams will move on to the NFL after this year. And I, I think a lot of fans right now are happy that Grinch is gone and they're, they're feeling good, but as time goes on, I think people are going to start to understand more and more, okay, we had a really special opportunity with Caleb Williams this year. It's a shame Alex Grinch and this defensive staff was a, around the team during this year because I think if someone else was in charge, I don't know if they win a national championship. I don't even know if they make the college football playoff, but they're at least competitive for longer, in my opinion. The team had too much talent to have two losses right now, and I don't think they're going to go into Oregon and win, so they'll be pretty much eliminated from the Pac-12 championship uh, with a game to go. I, I, I just think there was too much talent there to be in that spot. I agree with you. And uh, when we were talking the offseason, we looked at the upgrade of the talent, you know, matrix, whatever, on this USC defense, especially the front seven. And it got, you know, significantly better. We've seen guys like Bear Alexander make a real big difference, uh, like a Christian Roland Wallace. Um, you know, is he going to be Makai Blackman? Probably not, but he's pretty, you know, he's pretty good. There's There was good additions. Now, there's some guys that have been, a little more disappointing, like, you know, um, you know, Jamil Muhammad, he was great. You know, he's kind of fallen off a little bit, but he was really great to start the season. We just haven't seen a lot of Keon bars. I thought he'd be a bigger contributor. Jack Sullivan's got some more uh, playing time in this last game, but just hasn't been super effective. So, I mean, but they had enough guys that you could hit on some and miss on some, but it looked overall like the, the talent was upgraded and you're still seeing very similar results that, it just what a lot of the fans were saying, and you know, it was it wasn't about the talent; it was about the scheme and just the way that defense is being run. And we, you know, I thought, you know, from what Riley was talking about, there was a lot of holes, a lot of deficiencies. They made the talent better, and you're seeing the exact same stuff happening. Uh, that's where it was just really frustrating. And I think you know, Riley knows. You know, I think he knew that it wasn't good enough. And sometimes what he tells us is, you know, he's trying to paint a, a brighter picture or whatever. But I think behind the scenes, he knew. But it's one of those things where you made a call and you're like, 
I am going to this wedding. It's going to be fine. Don't worry. I'm going to, you know, nothing's going to happen. It'll be okay. Oops. And it's like, oh, Alex Rich gets fired and stuff. And you're like, you know, I made the call. And I mean, it's probably not a great example, but you're like, you've made the, the choice and you're sort of like kind of defending the choice. Like, Connor, you shouldn't have left. You know, the, the whole, all this stuff was going on. And, um, but it's, it's one of those things that feels like everyone told him not to, that you should do this. And he said, no, I'm not. And then it was very evident, like pretty quickly that, Yes, he should have done it. And so I think he wanted to try to make it work. And I think he gave Alex Grinch as many opportunities as possible. It just became untenable. You just couldn't do it anymore um, as bad as it was. So I'd much rather have seen it earlier in the season. Um, I mean, I don't think much changed besides just Washington, a highly effective passing team, ran all over USC. But we had seen stuff like that week in and week out, you know, so I don't know, but that's, I feel like Riley was sort of kind of defending his decision and, you know, he had his reasons. Sometimes you have sound reasons to make a call and it's still the wrong call. You're like, all right, well, this is what I thought. You know, I thought you're picking a game. You're like, Oh, their quarterback was out and their left tackle was hurt. And, uh, that, you know, there's no crowd and whatever. And there's like, they had the team still wins. You're like, well, all my you know research showed, that they you know, they should have lost, but they don't. So it's just that happens sometimes. So he made the wrong call, um, fixed it now. Better better late than never, I guess. But uh, you'd like to have seen something happen earlier. And and like a lot of fans said, you know, happened last year after this all went down. I could be wrong, but I don't think anyone in our positions was really calling for Grinch to be gone like a few weeks after the season. Once the Tulane frustration sort of settled down, and Riley came out and gave all his <clears throat> excuse me reasons for. <clears throat> one more bringing back Grinch. I don't think anyone was like, you're wrong. This is going to blow up. You're going to be terrible. They were number five to begin the season. People gave Riley the benefit of the doubt and yeah. looking at what he's done in the past defensively, maybe was that a mistake? You could say that, but winning 11 games last year, even though the defense was terrible at the end of the year, it's a little hypocritical to say now we made a mistake when we weren't saying it back then, but everyone sort of trusted Riley and this is totally blown up in his face. And it's the first major misstep that he's made at USC and like I said earlier, I think as time goes on, people are going to be begin to be a little bit more frustrated with him because I think since the firing, all I've seen are fans, oh, he's gone. I'm so happy. Things are going to change. We're here for the better. But this was a major, major error and something that's going to take some time, I think, to, to, to make fans buy back in. Of course, whoever gets hired, that'll be the first step. But you know what I mean a little bit? Like, oh, yeah. Taking that sort of chance and, and just guaranteeing that, Alex Grinch would be better and saying that I know what this guy's capable of. And the defense was our strength at Oklahoma when Grinch first came and everyone's like looking at the numbers like, really, that doesn't sound true. People sort of took him for his word. And this was the first time that he, it, it sort of blown up in his face. And I, I think as time goes on, people will say, okay, you know, he, he owes us one. Now we, we believed in him. It didn't work out. He, he's got to yeah. buy some goodwill back. Yeah. I think the messaging didn't help. Um, I mean, they could have used a better uh, PR person or something to kind of, because, like I said, you know, you make the call and then when the the criticism was starting and, and you know, people like ask tough questions every week, if the defense gave up three touchdowns to a nobody who hasn't cut it, you know, you ask him about that. Like he's been asked about the defensive shortcomings each and every week. And what's, you know, one of the questions that came early in the season, well, what's different? You know, like it looks the same and he was adamant that, that it's different. And then and, he brought up the tackles for loss and the sacks, and those have totally dried up as USC's played better teams. The, the bottom line is, Ryan, we've we've said, like, the defense, yeah, it's a little bit better than last year, but not good enough. 
I don't know if it's better than than last year at this point. Against good teams, it looks like the same defense. It's been bad. And and the messaging there was, I feel like he was, I think he really believed it, though, that he was saying, and that was the untrained eye part. That's when it came out, right? When to the untrained eye, it might look the same, but it's not. And at that point, you're like tripling down on our defense is better. And it was not. And it's, you know, potentially... I can't say it's worse, but it was, it's really bad. And so the fact that, you know, everyone was right about that and the questions that he was being asked about, this hasn't changed. Like, this this is still the same. Even though your players are better, it's still the same defense. He At that point, he could be like, you know, we're you're right. Like, it needs to be better than it was. We're, you know, we've added these players and we're still having these same kind of mistakes. But he was really, and, and even to, you know, he's, been defensive of it, I guess. And you bet it, it, but it wasn't real. It was that, that's, I think the messaging fell short because everyone saw what they were seeing. And they're like, this looks exactly like last year. Like some guy you never heard of uh, looks like a Heisman winner. Like that keeps happening week in and week out. And, you know, Dylan Johnson goes for 256 yards and four touchdowns. Like he's a, it's not a pass. He's a running back on a passing team. How do you let something like that happen? And so that's where it just was like the disconnect. I think Riley could have weathered the storm of keeping Grinch if his messaging was a little softer, but he was very kind of like out of it. Like, no, this is the right call. And it was the wrong call. So when you kind of double, triple down on the call you made and it ends up being wrong, and everybody knows it. I think that's that's sort of what kind of went down. And Riley made the move. You're right. He he dug his feet in. It ended up being wrong. I think fans have the right to be frustrated after the Cal game, Riley's like, I saw us get a stop in the fourth quarter, and that's going to spark us. And then two weeks later, he fires the defensive coordinator. It's like, can you just not say that? Can you can you just say it hasn't been good enough and and, and we can move on? Like I, he, he has, even when it's been really ugly the last few weeks, tried to paint a rosier picture. And against Washington, there was really nothing left to do because Shotgun said they didn't line up right. And that was a consistent theme that whole game. It seems like every time an offensive coach has a clue and they're going up against USC, they just know exactly how to put the, the Trojans defense in awful positions. And it just became so obvious that a change needed to be made. I think I tweeted it's beating a, a dead horse at this point when Washington would just score again and again and again. Yeah. You're, you're right, Ryan. R- R- uh, Riley, like, he, you know, even though he said, I believe it and things are going to change and, and he was confident. Eventually, the results are the results, and you have to make a change. Yeah, the, the defense. I mean, offenses would do these crazy things, like I don't know, put a guy in motion, and uh, there's no way you could defend that, or pitch the ball to the outside. Like, how could you defend those things? You know, but the, those are the kind of simple things that would confuse the defense. And you're like, they put someone in motion, and everybody doesn't. No one knows what to do, uh, or they pitch it outside, and everybody's inside, and he just runs out. You know, that that Dylan Johnson 53 yard run went from the nine yard line. Just was like, okay. We're just going to pitch it outside. Boom, he's gone. Um, we got a super chat. Uh, Moneybag Mansford. Manford, yeah, thank you. He says, triple-double. Did you catch the latest Almost Pro podcast episode? Did Ralik mention switching to running back, or uh, was it my misunderstanding? Of course, this is the one week I haven't had a chance to listen yet. I am going to listen. I always try to listen to those, even though the last couple of weeks haven't been too helpful for my job and just getting information I do think that's a really valuable uh, tool for media and fans just to hear what's going on inside the program. So 
I feel bad. Moneybags gave us some money, and I don't have an answer for him because I haven't listened yet, but maybe I can get back to him. Uh, my email's on my Twitter. If you want to follow up with me via email, I'll be happy to later in the week. Yeah, check it out. Um, but yeah, thanks for the uh, super chat. That's really nice of you. Um, very cool. Yeah, so some other th- topics I want to get to. Um, you know, the messaging we sort of talked about, and I know you were kind of getting on You've been getting from both sides. People are saying you're a homer. <laughs> yeah. People are saying you're an Oregon you plant. Know, honk plant or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Here um, to spy at Connor Stallions. Yeah. Sometimes people – and I, I feel like – do you remember a couple of weeks ago when people were saying that um, Lincoln Riley and uh, Clay Helton had the exact same record? But I, but it was like not even true. Like it was like the, you know Clay had a worse yeah. record. But people were like just sit, throwing that out there. You know, sometimes you throw things out there in the universe and it's just like, hey, you know, we're one play away from beating Washington. It's like, well, you lost by 10. Like that is, you know, by definition, that's not one play away. And you were kind of critical of that and you got a lot of crap for it. So we're going to go on the crap tour for Connor. We'll go. So this one, maybe we'll start with this one. Yeah. So on Trojans Live, I do the recap of my takeaways and Lincoln Riley said we're two plays away in conference from being undefeated. So the Utah field goal last play of the game. If that doesn't go in, I get it. But Riley was referencing the Deuce Robinson holding call that took a touchdown off the board for USC in the fourth quarter. So if that happens, USC would have taken a lead in the fourth quarter. He's talking about an offensive play in a game where the USC defense couldn't stop anyone. So him saying they're one play away, I get what he's saying a little bit. Like, yeah, we were one play away from taking a lead, but he's saying we were one play away from winning the game, which is just not an honest remark. And people said, I immediately tuned out after I got to that point in the article. You're an Oregon plant. You're on my do not ever read list. If I make a mistake and there's something bad that people don't like, I'll I'll own up to it. But Riley saying that we were one play away from beating Washington when they lost by 10, that made no sense to me. And I I saw a lot of people critical of Riley, but I, I saw even more people stand up for him and say, he's right. We were one play away. And I think those fans are delusional. Uh, so there you go. <laughs> no, I would agree there too. And I, I feel like this is sort of the, sh- this is where I think fans kind of get insulted when you're sugarcoating things. It's like, they understand. You're I mean, not ranked and you were number five to begin the year. This has been an awful season. It's not yet. Three losses, a blowout loss to Notre Dame. Um, the first time Lincoln Riley's not been ranked in the college football playoff poll, I think in his career, right? Or mm-hmm. yeah, so that's never happened. Um, hadn't lost a home game, so the first home game he loses, he's like, "Don't have you know?" It's like, "Hey, you don't want to have this feeling again." Well, the next time you play a good team at home, you lose. Um, it's just it, yeah. It's I feel like the the messaging has really could be improved. And I, you know, there's USC fans are jumping off the bandwagon, which I don't get. Like you hire this guy with an, with an amazing resume. He's taken over a dumpster fire and got, got things really good. And shotgun likes to say, if this year was last year and then they won 11 games this year, you'd be like feeling better because you're progressing, but they won 11 games last year. So you kind of raised the bar. So his success sort of kind of doomed him this year. But I feel like, if you feel like you weren't going to have the same kind of success, you can set the, I guess you can kind of set the narrative and, and you know, discuss it that way of why, hey, the schedule's harder. This is, you know, there's, we still have issues building, rebuilding this program. I think people would kind of buy in. But I, I really felt beginning of the season, Connor, like Lincoln Riley had a lot of confidence that this team was going to be really good. And I, I feel like he had a lot of confidence that defense was going to be better. And it was almost like, he believed it so much that when it wasn't, he it was like you couldn't 
you couldn't even picture that, you know, uh, it's like, you know, this relationship and I'm like, you're in a bad relationship or the, your spouse or your partner is doing something that you're just not, and all your friends are telling them they're doing this to you they're, and you don't believe it. And then all of a sudden, like until finally, it's just kind of, you just, you just don't want to believe that that's going on, but it is. And you're so close to it that you can't really kind of um, grasp it. And I feel like that's sort of what's going on there. It wasn't like he was lying. It's like he really believed that things were better and they were one play away from this or they were this close. Just they missed those two tackles, five, 10 plays a game, whatever it is. But you you didn't see that it happened week after week after week. And it's like if you had an excuse of why that bad behavior from your partner was happening every week, it's like, well, one week, that's fine. But week, 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 you can't, you, you can't ignore that. So I feel like he believed it. Um, but it's just one of the things that I think the messaging has to get better. I keep harping on the messaging, but it does need to get better. Shouldn't that maybe even be more concerning, though, if the head coach believes that the defense is so close, so close, so close, and then – he has to fire the defensive coordinator a few weeks later. Like I'm yeah. sure he did believe it earlier in the season when USC was beating Stanford and Nevada and it, it was getting, you know, the, the blowouts were just crazy. But ever since the bye week, it's just been pretty consistent defensive mistakes. So maybe, okay, Arizona State, that's a bad game. Colorado, we had a great first half. Like you could make some excuses, but to what you're saying, I think he stopped believing it and was a little bit not as truthful as he probably should have been when it was happening week after week after week, because he's not an idiot. He's a really smart guy. Yeah. He, he watches the film. He, he he understood a lot of those mistakes. And I think actions, of course, speak louder than words. If he really did believe what he was saying, I think Alex Grinch is probably still here. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I think we kind of talked about that one a bunch, but we always have to kind of get back to it and fans are talking about it. Um, but the one play away thing. Uh, so on the other side... Um, you kind of jumped in the fray. You kind of were a little defensive of something happened on the <laughs> USC side. Well, I, I wouldn't even say d- defensive, but sorry, go ahead. No, no. I mean, you can set it up. So it was basically Mason Cobb, the, the linebacker this week for USC. So I'll, I'll do some uh, is auditory, some audible ghost notes for people just Perfect. to be yeah. in my sh- So uh, the SID, assistant SID says, one more question for Mason Cobb. And so I ask it. I say, what did the film from the Washington game tell you? What did you see on film? And he said, I didn't watch film. And then that was it. So he leaves. And then I kind of audibly go, doesn't watch film. What the heck? And I think I said it too loud. And people were like, you know, looking at me like, you know, maybe everyone was thinking it, but I said it out loud. And I was going to talk about that on instant analysis. But before I did, it made a big point about how, oh, the defense didn't have a good game and they didn't even watch film. What the heck? I texted a couple people in the NFL who I knew from uh, covering high school football, just guys I had relationships with. And I said, is this common if a team doesn't play well, do they oftentimes not watch film? And people said, yeah, that that does happen. So then I was like, okay, good reporting. I am not going to bash a guy who I maybe thought a couple minutes ago deserved to be bashed based on what I heard. So then I think Ahmad tweeted out the Q&A that I had and showed everyone that Cobb, and if they watched the YouTube video, they'd see it, didn't watch the film, and then he's getting all this crap on Twitter. And then I tweeted out, I'm seeing Mason Cobb get a lot of crap for not watching film. I talked to a few people and it sounds like that happens sometimes. You just flush it and move on to the next game. And then Dion Bailey, who, of course, knows a lot more about football than I'll ever know, and Sue Cravens were like, no, that's not right. That's not right. And I think a lot of people thought that I was defending Cobb for not watching the film when all I was doing was pointing out that it's not just a USC thing. It's not just a Mason Cobb thing. Sometimes after a bad performance, teams won't watch the film and they'll just move on to the next game. And that caused a big Twitter S storm, and people are still tweeting at me. And Yes, 
I got called to be a homer, fun. and the last thing I want to be is a homer. So right, that well, offended well, me. You were, you're too mean, and then you're too nice. <laughs> so it's good. Um, you were saying Lincoln Riley was saying naughty things when he wasn't, and then you're saying. Mason Cobb was doing fine things when he wasn't. Yep. Yeah. So th- th- I'm sure you're glad you hired me, pissing everyone off. <laughs> no, that's good. Uh, I think you want that though. You, if you're only getting complaints on one side, if everyone's just saying you're too much of a homer, too much of a homer, too much of a homer, you're probably a homer. But if if someone's saying, why can't you ever say anything positive about this program? It's you know you're always negative. You're always negative. And then someone else is like, you're just sugarcoating everything. I'm like all right, so I'm probably in the right spot. You know, there's people so. on both sides like that don't. Because those people complaining probably would complain about anything. It doesn't matter. Um, so that's good. But you're getting on both sides, which I love it. Uh, yeah, I I mean, I, I mean. So overall, I thought, like, he should have watched the film. He definitely should have watched the film. Like, I don't know why you don't watch the film. Like, if you suck, you want to know. I mean, it's like, okay, well, my tooth hurts. Uh, I don't want to go to the dentist, though, because I want to find out what's wrong. Like, well, because your tooth's still going to hurt next week when you play Oregon. So instead of maybe looking at the film and finding out, maybe I can get this fixed so my tooth doesn't hurt when we go up to Eugene, it's sort of like that. Why don't you do that? And I like Mason Cobb a lot. You know, I think there's some frustration there. You just have your, he transfers in where he's highly successful at Oklahoma State. They had, you know, Jim Knowles, great defensive coordinator. And they've been terrible here, you know, and I can get, you know, you're going to be frustrated. He's a team captain and, you know, he comes in, named captain, and they have to fire his defensive coordinator 10 games in. He's got to be pretty frustrating. But I would say watching film is important, especially when you stink, um, and especially at the college level. You know, maybe at the NFL you can whatever. You can go do it without it. But, yeah, that was that was a tough one. Um, again, the messaging is not coming up great. When you're winning, you can say something a little off, and it's like, okay, well, you're winning, and it's fine. When you're losing, it's going to be um, criticized more. You know, if you say something great, it's going to be criticized. So that was a that was a weird one, but it was fun to see you kind of like <laughs> get roasted by former. Yeah, uh, Sue has been on the podcast. Uh, I don't think we've had Dion Bailey on, but you know, have interviewed him over the years, and uh, yeah, they were not happy with you. Colin. No, no, uh, whatever. <laughs> I, I do think Alex Grinch being relieved of his duties, and now you have two head or two co interim defensive coordinators like that. Had to have played into it a little bit. I'm sure those guys are like, just forget last week. That guy's gone. We're on to Oregon. You know, flush it, and let's just focus on how we can beat the Ducks. I do have to think that was part of the messaging, too. And right or wrong, that's, in my opinion, what happened. Because when you have the coach who was in charge not be there anymore and last week looked so poor, I think it makes sense a little bit to just say, okay, we're on to the next week. But the players should have taken it upon themselves to just look at a few things, in, in my opinion. So maybe everyone's at fault. I don't know. Uh, we got some comments about um, uh, yeah, Vince, it's a It's a hot-button issue. People are not happy. Ben says, Connor uh, just keeps it real, which surprised me to see Sue get upset with that. Thank you. I appreciate it. And um, Joe SC says, Connor is an idiot. No, <laughs> I just made that up. So you can, you can put that in what there. I'll put it up there. Um LFG says, love Dion Bailey. Yeah, but Dion and Sue are great. Um, I was kind of surprised. Like, they take, or they, they, as employees of USC, like, they took they, their criticism to the next very, level today. Well, but they're very critical. They've been very critical um, 
I don't think they're employees, but they they. But um, you know what I mean? Like they they're, they're on the media, yes. in house media. They're in in house media, so it's like we've seen this happen where like teams fire their radio broadcast guy because he said something that wasn't you know all that. I mean, one guy I forgot what it was recently, but it wasn't even bad. They said and they got they got fired, and everybody like the Orioles guy. It might have been the Orioles guy. Yeah, Kevin Brown. I actually know him personally. I'm so glad that got resolved. He's a great guy. So is he back? Yeah, or? he's back. So they fired him. They didn't fire him, but it was trending that way. They they sort of removed him for a couple games, and then I think once the backlash got so big, they were like, okay, we got to get him back, and they did. Yeah. Um, that was a big weird thing. So, but like Sua and Dion have been, um, you know, openly critical about the defense. You know, former defensive players, and you know they were getting on you, but you were kind of defending. I, you, the I wasn't USC. defending anything. I was just pointing out that right. sometimes after a bad game, well, you don't feel film's important. That's fine. Like that's, that's your take. <laughs> yeah, but. you don't have to watch film, even if you're 117. But I mean, defense. you were like. First of all, we don't like bashing the student athletes no matter what. And you're sort of like pointing like, you know, I know you're getting on him, but sometimes you can just throw away film because that's the people I talk to. That's what they said. And those players were not having it. And then I got the classic, like, you never played a down of football in your life. This is why I don't trust media people and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Um, But they they have been very critical Mm -hmm. of this this team, which is I'm curious because a lot of times – you don't want your in-house media to be pointing out your flaws, and they have. So will they continue to be in-house media, or is it I, – I mean, if USC lets them do it, I think that's great. I mean, it's it's allowing, um, you know, people to be you, – you can be critical of yourself, you know. And uh, I think that's, it's good that they have these honest opinions, but um, it, wasn't, it hasn't been a great look for USC because the defense has been so bad. And it just kind of fuels the fire with all the other – when the fans are like, hey, we think the defense sucks, and then Sua Craven says the defense sucks, and you're like, see, I was right. And <laughs> it just it wasn't helping the whole messaging that was coming from inside where it was like, everything's okay. We're just a play away when obviously that wasn't the case. I do think, didn't Sua mention something about maybe he hadn't wanted to coach in the past, but now he thinks he could help? I don't know how much the mm. commentary from him is making Lincoln Riley say, hey, let's let's bring in that guy. Yeah, but sometimes you want it. Sometimes you want people that understand your flaw. For sure. But I don't know if Riley is that person. You know what I mean? Yeah, He, he seems not. a little like he wouldn't want that. But hey, what do I know? Yeah. Like if you're like trying to stop hackers, like sometimes you hire hackers, you know, like it's like <laughs> if you want to like make your defense better, you hire the people that are very critical of what's going on there. Um, okay. So that was the no film thing. That was kind of funny. We mentioned uh, Lincoln Riley not being ranked in the college football playoff for the first time ever. Did get to hear um, from Lincoln Riley uh, a couple times, uh, Trojans Live. Uh, he had a, a Monday. He spoke to the media. It was a closed practice. Um, so you kind of got that. But um, you were down there for when Sean Nua, defensive line coach, and uh, Brian Odom, linebackers coach, now both co-defensive coordinators spoke. We would already talked about, you, you know, um, Mason Cobb and your – advocating no film watching, whatever, but what would uh, anything from, if you want to start with Riley or, or, you know, and then get into the, the defensive coordinator stuff, um, anything kind of interesting stand out to you from, from what they, from what they said? Cause it's, it's hard thing when you go from Riley to being like, we're almost there where everything's fine to, okay, you're fired, you know? Um, and that happened pretty quickly. 
If you love cringy humor, be sure to watch the Lincoln Riley press conference because someone asked him, what are your overall thoughts on the tenure of Zach Grinch? And then- Oh, that was so funny. And then Lincoln Riley goes, excuse me, giving the guy another chance. And then he doubled down. He said Zach Grinch again. So that- I'm the kind of guy who like thinks that's funny, but I also like it was like nails on a chalkboard. So awkward looking at that. It's just a hilarious moment. I think it's that like was, halfway that through. That was Monday. Yeah, right? that was Monday. Yeah. So I mean, if you saw, so when something big happens, we're late in the season. Notre Dame. There was a lot of media. There were TV trucks lined up and down um, the street outside of uh, Howard Jones Field. And when that happened, so we have all the local people that were always there. Then you had all these people that are not there usually ever. And I think that was probably a TV person that doesn't know anything that was just assigned to go down there and get some comments and said Zach Grinch to everybody and uh, had to be very embarrassing. Yeah. And Zach Grinch kind of, if you say it fast, kind of sounds like Zach Branch. So I think Riley might've thought it was a Zach Branch question, yeah. which wouldn't have made any sense. But anyway, so that was funny, but Riley just said needed to make a change. He, he said, and I don't didn't expect him to say anything else, but he talked about how it was his decision. He didn't get any pressure from administrators or, or anyone else. It was his call. And he said, I know what it takes to play good defense here. We we can play good defense. He talked about how at Oklahoma, the defense early on in his tenure became one of the strengths of the team, which, of course, Oklahoma fans had a field day with that on Twitter. I don't know why Riley says stuff like that when he's just such a good offensive coach, but the defensive issues have followed him everywhere. We can talk about that a little bit later. I did think with Sean Nua and Brian Odom yesterday, the co-interim defensive coordinators, they talked about simplifying things. And hasn't that been what fans have wanted for years now, Ryan, where just how many times do you see Christian Roland Wallace waving his hands, jumping up and down, freaking out? Maybe it's him trying to just do something to the offense and make them mess up. But it's no, it's because they don't know the play and they're, and they're trying to figure out what call Grinch has changed to after initially calling one play, they're going to simplify things. And Nua said, I think it was hyperbole, but this was sort of the point he made. If we can get the best effort and the, and the best play out of one call, we're just going to make one call the whole game against Oregon. Yeah. Um, sorry. I was putting up a comment from, uh, from some of the, the fans here. Um, you know, Jason had a question. I want to get to this since we're kind of on the subject. Um, can we expect to see fresh faces on defense, perhaps auditions for next year? And I think that's speaking to, you're talking about the future, but I think one of the things that Lincoln Riley made clear, they're trying to make changes to win this week against Oregon. Now, how much can you change in one week and beat Oregon? Is the simplification of the defense enough to do that? Uh, but any thoughts on what uh, Jason's question was? They're trying to win now for sure. So I don't know if this is the week for playing freshman more, but I do think we'll see some new faces. Like whoever's next to Bear Alexander, whoever's next to Cobb and Gentry, also in that linebacker rotation, whoever's next to Kalen Bullock, those have been three of the positions that have given USC the most trouble this season and Alex Rinch is the coordinator is signed off on who's played alongside those guys. So Keon bars, I think got 12 snaps last week against Washington and he was USC's highest rated defensive player per pro football focused. He's a big run stuffer. We all, we all know him. He hasn't played very much. Could he see a major role next to bear Alexander? Because maybe the staff had been pushing for bars to play more, but Grinch said, no, that's a question I have who the heck plays at linebacker when we've seen so much inconsistency there, there might be an injury at linebacker. So maybe some people who we think would play a lot might not. We'll just have to see how that all shakes out. That's something to watch too. And then at safety, if Max Williams can't play, 
Bryson Shaw has had some ups and downs. Is he the guy that the staff relies on? It's too bad Zion Branch got hurt. The one time or the one position I could see maybe a freshman getting thrown into the fire would be there. Maybe Christian Pierce gets some run alongside Cameron Bullock. But I I think those three positions are the most interesting because everyone else, I think, has sort of fairly won their starting jobs and won a lot of playing time, perform really well. Those three positions, whoever's been there, guys haven't played well. Maybe the staff try something new with them. Yeah, I think there's some opportunities there that the staff can can do things with. But I feel like 10 games in, you're looking at the sort of same issues that were happening over and over again. And we saw this on the offensive side. If you remember the Arizona State game, they kind of got too cute. It was on the road. They were not lining up. They were getting false starts. And you're like, okay. There was a reason why we wanted to do all this check with me stuff or whatever before the snap, but it wasn't working. So let's just run a play. And they they simplified things before they called the play. So instead of this, 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 okay, you're only going to do this and this. And things were smoother. The offense ran better. I don't know why. Like that seems like a, just a, a, you know, a procedural deal. Like if you're looking at here, I'm this, we got to do these things. Oh, man, this is screwing me up if I do. If you're telling me to do 10 things before I can achieve this goal, like, well, we can do it with five. It'd be better if we did all these 10 things right. But every time we try to do these 10 things, it's screw you. You're never even getting there. And we're not going to, you know, whatever the goal was, we're not achieving it. So we're going to simplify it and do five things. It just never seemed like that was happening on the defensive side. Like, no, there's no way we could run this play unless we do all 10 of these right. And it's like, well, the odds of you getting all 10 of those right are not good. And he never took it down to five. They never simplified it. It's just always the same thing. And you always saw that confusion and people in the wrong places over and over and over again. And that's one of the things I don't quite understand is why that – it's like you have this philosophy and you're like, I'm not changing the way I feel like this is the way it needs to happen. And if they can't do it, whatever. But week after week after week, they couldn't do it. So for Sean Nua and Brian Odom, have they seen all this? And they're like, and sometimes you're, you know, we, I talk about the low hanging fruit thing. You're like, okay, well, this is a real simple thing. They we're screwing up at the beginning before the snap. So it's like you're, you know, if you're if you're trying to hit a golf ball and you're bent over side, you know, you're, you're bending too over or you're leaning back or you're all your weights on the wrong foot. If you get an instructor just sort of like set you up and start you in the right spot, you haven't even talked about your swing, but you're starting from a better spot. Your swing is probably going to be better. And I feel like that's something you could change in a few days. We're okay. We're simplifying stuff and they're not giving us any details of what it's going to be. But I feel like this is a real opportunity to be like, yeah, you know, we might screw up and break the missed tackles and all that. Like, are you going to fix that? But if you can just get lined up and run whatever play is in your head and not try to fix it on the fly and then be way out of position, you could probably be significantly better, like pretty quickly. So I'm kind of curious. I know there's a long ramble there again, but kind of curious, like how that ends up being, um, you know, what you can fix there. But being simpler, being able to just, you know, pick that low hanging fruit and line up right. Who knows? Maybe this defense plays a lot better and you see that talent um, that we see in flashes of, but you see that talent kind of shine a little bit more uh, when you go on the road in Oregon. Just play football. That's that's the, yeah. the most important thing. I think sometimes with the Alex Grinch defense, 
we just heard so much guys not doing their job, guys not doing their job. One guy not doing their job leads to a huge problem. And I think the big issue was guys were so in their heads like, okay, if the offense does this, we do this. And if they do this, then we have to do this. And if someone goes in motion this way, then I do this. And it's like before the ball's even snapped, you got all this clutter in your head where if it's just everyone on USC is a highly ranked recruit or a highly ranked transfer. There's a reason they're at this institution. It's because they're a good football player. They've have a track record of success, whether it's high school or whether it's college. Just allow those guys to do what they do, which is play football, instead of confusing them, which I really do think that was happening. Why consistently were all these execution issues happening week after week? And, and Grinch can say, you know, it, it's it's the players not doing their job. Riley said it's just one or two guys. It's so obvious on film. It's because, to what I said, if they're doing this, then we have to do this. We have to do this and, and this and this and this. And it, that will just lead you down a, a rabbit hole of not good football, I think. And now if guys are thinking less, just say, hey, just go out and make a tackle. Just yeah. go cover your guy. You know, let's simplify things. If we get beat, fine. Right. I'd rather get beat when you're doing something than yeah. like not sure what to do. Archer Quick says, uh, perfection is the enemy of good. And that's I think that's a great way to put it. You felt like they had to be trying to be perfect all the time to the point where you're not even you're not even near good you're terrible like because you're trying to get perfection and that it, it can't be that it can't be like we have to do 50,000 things right to work no like that i i think it's going to be i think there's potential that this defense looks a lot better but how bad does that look that you could fix this in one week by just making things simpler that fans were calling for and you do it in one week and you got a good test. If they play better against Oregon, that's real. You know, that's not like, Oh, they played better against San Jose state. Like this is Oregon. If the defense looks better against Oregon, I mean, it's just sort of another thing, uh, indication of you had enough talent to be a good defense this year, but you had the wrong person running it. And that's why you weren't. I just am nervous about the spot this week. They might play a little bit better, but I feel like any spark that the coaching change sort of has on the team will be nullified by Autzen Stadium and just how loud it is. And I, I, I worry about the defense. I think every week the offense people keep saying we're playing with house money and you know no stress. They they control their own or they don't control their own destiny. Just you know just win the games and and, and we'll see what happens defensively. They're in the same exact spot as the offense, but they've been playing so bad. I think there's a ton of pressure on them, and I still think that's going to be the case even with Grinch gone. People on that side of the ball know that they've been underperforming, and I don't think one coaching change will, will lead to that mindset going away. Uh, Lloyd says that he, Grinch had opportunities to simplify his defense, and he wouldn't do it. Didn't work last year and got worse this year. Grinch losing his job is on him. That's, the, that's what I don't quite get is – is there a simple fix by simplification and why you would not want to do it? And I'm trying to think of, I love the analogies. I'm trying to think of like a good analogy of what that would be that, but like where you have something that you do, there is a goal and you want to achieve the goal, but like, I want to do it my way. It's, it's, that's sort of what it feels like. Like we're going to do it this way, you know, come hell or high water. We're doing it this way, even though it wasn't working, but I want to, we, you know, I know I could probably get there, this other way, but I'm going to show everyone I can do it this way. I, I'm not sure why. It just didn't seem like it was that hard of a fix. And I'm not saying he's refusing to do it or just, but it seems like that was a, a real option. It was just, we're going to make things simpler. 
and they weren't. And I, I'm not sure. I mean, maybe that's his thing. Like his thing was when his defenses were good, he had everyone reading the right stuff, and and that's how it worked. But it wasn't working for this group, and you never changed it. And it just, yeah, it's kind of baffling to me. Here, here's a quick fix. Remember way back when on Trojans Live, like the third week of the season, he said. We want our run defense to look like blitz, meaning they want everyone to get upfield and make an explosive play via a tackle for loss in the backfield. Maybe you surprise the running back getting there so early he fumbles. That's what we want. We want run to look like blitz. And then Utah says, okay, fine. You, you want run to look like blitz? We'll look like we're going to run, and then we'll throw a wheel route because you think <laughs> that we're running. You're going to bring everyone, and then we're going to expose you with Sione Vaki running by your defensive end because we confused you. You said run looks like blitz. Every time you put it on tape, you're having guys get upfield every run play. It's just easy to expose. I think the tendencies of USC's defense were very common, and they didn't do a whole lot of things different. Against Washington, they did drop more guys, and then they looked even more confused, and Washington said, fine, you are going to make a change? Well, that's such an easy change to counter. We're just going to run on you if you're going to drop all those guys, because we don't think you can stop it, and guess what? They couldn't stop it. So it just seemed kind of like, and this is mean, but low level, you know what I mean? Like, any time an offensive coach had guys who could match up with you defensively and just had a clue, they were putting USC in awful positions. Um, Roger says it's called stubbornness. Yeah. Yes. It's definitely. But did Grin strike you as like a, a really stubborn guy? Like he he didn't strike me when we talked to him as stubborn. And I guess actions, like I've said earlier, speak louder than words. But you know what I mean? Like he he seemed like a guy who would maybe try to do some things different. But I guess he was pretty stubborn. Yeah, he was there. I mean, coaches are stubborn to a fault. Like yeah. that's just the sort of they get in their own. I mean, and you're in your own world, you know. And I think it's head coaches can be worse because you are running the show. Um, and if you say something, there's ten people around you that. Even though they know it's wrong, they're not going to tell you. you know? So, But there was definitely a level of stubbornness there. Which, And you can put some of this on Riley, too. Because like if Riley's watching this, I mean, he concocts plays and schemes to go against defenses. And he looks at what USC's defense is doing. And is like, dude, here's what I would do to you. Like, simplify this. Make it easier. You know, I, I, somehow that got missed. I'm just, I'm not sure how. But. Well, what the heck are the assistants saying behind closed? You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure Alex, like, here, here's some ways we think this can help. You know what I mean? I, I We just have no insight into that. And I, I, I wish we had more. I don't even know if washing more practice would help. But you know what I mean? Who are the guys who are pushing for change? And, and what was that dialogue like? And I wish I had a better relationship with Alex Grinch, could call him up and ask him all these questions. I don't think that's going to happen. But you know what I mean? Like, which guys on the staff wanted to do something different? Was it Grinch who was pushing back? Was it other guys on the staff who were pushing back? Because it really, really did get to a bad place this year. And it's confusing as to how that could happen with all the talent that they have. We don't want to go too much. and We'll we'll do some questions. But postmortem can be interesting. And I remember, I think it was during... I think when Clancy Pendergast got fired, but I had I met with one of the assistant coaches and um, it was in the South Bay and we had a couple beers and, you know, to hear what someone, you know, on the inside was, you know, everyone has their own sort of agendas, right? And like, here's what I was asking for and they were doing this or whatever. So there's always, it's not like a, a Borg thing. There's not like one common mindset. Like all these coaches have their own individual thoughts Brian Odom probably has his, and Sean Nua has his. We're going to see. And there might have been things that, you know, when your boss is like, hey, do this, do this, do this, and you're like, I don't think that's the right way to go, but you're the boss, so I'm going to do it. Yeah. The I, boss I, is gone. So now, how different does it look? 
because that means, you know, if it does look a lot different, I mean, it means that there was people under Alex Grinch that wanted changes. They wanted things to be done a different way. And Grinch was making the call that, no, this is the way we're going to do it. So that that's all going to be fascinating to watch. Like, I wish there was more games we could kind of see this through, but we only get two or three. I did hear from one parent that Grinch would sign off on the rotation. So he was the guy who determined who played, which makes sense. It wasn't yeah. the assistants. So was he, is he a big Stanley T guy who's an undersized defensive lineman? And was he the reason that he was in the middle or some of the linebacker things was Grinch the reason the rotations looked the way they did? I think we'll answer some of those questions on Saturday. All right. Well, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and uh, do a bunch of questions. Back in a minute. Alrighty, we're back here on the Peristyle podcast. Thanks uh, for everyone. If you're, we got like 250 people watching live on YouTube, but thank you so much. Uh, if you want, you can hit that like button in there. It's free. Just hit the little thumbs up. That's great. That helps out. Or if you want to hit the little bell to get a notification whenever we go live. So we appreciate you all um, doing that. Okay, let's get into some questions, Connor. Um, First one up, we got Chase from Arizona. Which moment was the best? So this is about the Washington game. Uh, Raleigh Brown scoring a touchdown. So his first touch uh, goes along the left side for a touchdown. Um, uh, Darwin Barlow's long run and score. So he had a 43-yard run the first time he touched it and then punched it in from one yard out the second time, which I was very happy. It was bummer that he got tackled at the one the first time. Or three, Taj Washington's trick play touchdown. My favorite is not on the list, the Caleb Williams spin move. That mm. was amazing. But I'd probably go with the Taj Washington play, even though everything w- was awesome to see. But that play, the design by Riley, that had Twitter freaking out. People who had been pretty consistently ripping Riley were saying, oh, you know, this is what Lincoln Riley can do. This is an offensive genius. This is awesome. And it was nice just to, in a year that hasn't gone according to plan, it was nice to to see Riley do something that got people excited again. You know what I mean? No, 100%. Um, that was, to me, that was great. Uh, that was a real... Um, and then to hear Zachariah yeah. talk about it, say, like, we weren't very confident <laughs> that that was going to work because in practice it was hit or miss, but Riley just knows better. So that was cool. That was uh, when you and Shotgun interviewed Zachariah and Zion Branch. If you hadn't had a chance to listen to that on YouTube, those two came in studio, and that was an awesome interview, Ryan. So I hope we can do more of those. Oh, it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, make sure you check out our YouTube channel or usafootball.com. We had Zachariah and Zion Branch in studio. Uh, the parents, they were sitting right over here, which was great. But to hear him talk about it, uh, that the flea flicker was great. And he he felt that when he pitched it back to Caleb, he was kind of doing a no-look pitch. And he heard the crowd, and he <laughs> thought he screwed the pitch up. So he didn't – but he said, by the time I turned around, like Taj was already catching the ball. So uh, it definitely worked well. So that was my favorite moment. But the, the spin cycle one was like, what? Like yeah, he made – I think Rayla go forth miss in the backfield. And then that poor defensive lineman just looks silly. I mean, like somebody, a sniper took him out. You know, it was crazy. That's just the kind of move, like people have been playing football for so long, but I'm not, I've never seen a spin move like that. You know what I mean? Like that was just such a moment of brilliance from, from Caleb. So that, that's the one that, that I'll remember. And then the two other plays, Barlow and Relique scoring, like, of course, those are great too. But uh, there, there were a lot of highlights, unfortunately, not too many on defense. Mark says, I still don't get why they don't use Barlow more. 
I, I don't know. Like, it seems like every time he comes in, big big things happen. I, I do think Quinton Joyner having that fumble against Notre Dame caused the third linebacker or the third running back to be shaken up a little bit. So maybe we could see Barlow in the future. I don't think we'll see Joyner much th- the rest of the year. Um, if Marshawn Lloyd's back, though, like that probably yeah. throws everything out. I mean, Lloyd's really good. And I love the way Austin Jones comes in. I forget what maybe a shotgun was pointing out that like whenever he's get thrown into duty, he's yeah. just like a stud. Mm-hmm. But Barlow, same thing. When he ever whenever he comes in, there's like, oh, okay. Yeah, he's really good too. Um yeah, some questions. Got a lot of talent there at running back. There's a lot of talent. Uh Tina in LA says, now that Christmas has come early, I think this warrants an emergency podcast. Not to bash Grinch. We've done enough of that. But to talk about what this means moving forward for the team and for recruiting, thanks and as always, fight on. Yeah, we didn't end up doing an emergency one, but we did. Um, I had four shows scheduled that day already, so I talked about it with Harvey Hyde at the end when it broke, when I was recording with him. We talked about it on the podcast of Champions, the Pac-12 podcast. Um, and then we had the Branch Brothers in studio, and we asked them about, you know, him getting fired and, and Zion talked about, you know, how much he likes him and everything. And he was working directly with him. He's a safety and how, you know, his affinity for Taylor Mays, um, you know, he's been working with too. And then we had television that night. So it wasn't like technically an emergency podcast, but talked about a lot that day. Yeah. We're talking about it again. Yeah. I just think what, what it means, it, it's one of those things where of course you want the best possible guy, but if you hire a young up and coming coach, he has a great year. Like look at, Danton Lynn at UCLA, there's a chance he's not the defensive coordinator and you only get him for one year because he was too good. And of course, like that's not a reason to not hire someone. But you know what I mean? Like it, there's a million things that go into it. And sometimes the young and up and coming coach who's a great recruiter and, and gets great results, they'll be plucked for a head coaching job sooner than later. So it, you just got to get lucky with it too. And I think USC, they're due for a little bit of luck. All, all the all the crap that that's happened to, to this program over the the past few decades, and getting Lincoln Riley that was a great stroke of luck. Stroke of luck, but you know what I mean. People have brought it up to me repeatedly. Like every time, the expectations have been so high since Pete Carroll, it just has not worked for this program. So maybe they're due some good luck, and they'll get the higher right. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Andy in Calgary, um, I realize. There's a lot going on right now, but what are your thoughts on who would be an elite defensive coordinator to replace Alex Grinch? Thanks and fight on from Andy. I don't think it's realistic, but I think Manny Diaz at Penn State would be awesome guy with head coaching experience. I don't know why he would go from Penn State to, to USC, though, but I see his name linked. To me, he's like the dream guy. I know Shotgun said Dave Aranda Baylor, who is the head coach, but if he were to be let go, it sounds like Aranda and Riley have a little beef, so I don't know how realistic that yeah. is, but... If I could pick anyone, it would it would be Manny Diaz. Uh, a realistic option, I mean, I, I see Jim Leonard. There are rumors, how much does he love to recruit? I, I don't know. I think this is where you kind of, like, this is why you're going to get paid the big bucks, Jen Cohen, Lincoln Riley. Like, yeah. you, you maybe getting someone off the beaten path. Like, remember when Danton Lynn got hired? The only reason everyone knew who he was was because his dad was, it was Anthony yeah. Lynn. Like, no yeah. one knew who this guy was, and UCLA is first in the country in all these defensive metrics. Sometimes you got to do something a little bit different, and fans might not love that right away. I just don't think, in this case, like, the obvious guys might be the best guys. No, for sure. I, I like Jim Leonard a lot, and that could be. And I don't mind. I mean, USC's had below average defensive coordinators that didn't recruit. If you get a really good one that doesn't recruit, you can figure it out. Like yeah. that's okay. Like 
especially in this era. Um, there's an amazing post. So you're talking about a reason to um, subscribe to the Peristyle. So Fink Jason on the Peristyle over at uscfootball.com. He says, buy the numbers, home run slash tier zero DC candidates. This is something we could put on the front page. He goes through all of this data and says, okay, he's breaking it down piece by piece, filtering out defensive coordinators. Like if you had, um, you had to have a top efficiency rating for uh, the past five seasons uh, as a top 30 defense in the country. And then he keeps filtering down and down and down more and more um, to the point where you got down to six candidates and this is tier zero um, comparing to like what Brandon Sosna did when he was talking about head coaching candidates and Lincoln Riley was a tier zero guy, like just a no brainer. And uh, he lists there and, you know, three of the guys we mentioned are on that tier, you know, I better the, zip my lip then and not mention anyone else. So people subscribe. That's good. Um, but so this is like a, he has a chart, like amazing breakdown of this. So, but that's why you want to go over to USAfootball.com. You got stuff like this. That's not even content from us. That's just from other users that have like d- dug in the numbers and everything to the point where Brandon Sosna was tagged in it and liked the post, you know, which is funny. So he still follows a lot of that <laughs> stuff. Uh, but the thinking was like kind of Brandon thinking, you know, about how you would like go down. And it's not just you had one good defense. It was like a running average and uh, how how high was your ceiling? How low was your floor? It was really good. So I think some c- cool candidates there. Another good reason to subscribe. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's go. Earl from Apple Valley. Thanks for all the stuff you do to keep us informed on USC. I've been a lifelong USC fan. USC's issues on defense are not just Grinch. It falls on the head coach and the staff that proceeded. USC has been sopped on defense for years now, and they need to find a way of fixing it. What are your thoughts on what can be done now that Alex Grinch is gone? I think this may take... Sometime to fix, and starting right now, we need to be tougher on both sides of the ball. Fight on Earl in Apple Valley. I think it's what I said earlier, a mixture of hiring the right guy and Riley changing some of what he does, which we're not allowed to watch a lot of practice. I'm going to be interested to catch up with players and parents in the offseason and just see what they thought about this year. And, and off the record, like what would they have done differently? I'm not going to go out and report on a lot of this stuff unless they want me to. You know what I mean? Though I just want to do a little bit more background digging into what it looked like in practice this year before talking about all the changes that they need to make. We just don't see enough of it to say like they need to tackle more in practice and it needs to be more physical or they need to do more goal line work. It's tough to do this job when you, you can't see what's going on. You know what I mean? Yeah, we before we could be kind of critical of the the plan you're like we didn't see tackling or they didn't run a lot of ones versus ones or what we could watch and we could tell now we don't know so they could be tackling all day in practice and we wouldn't know mason cobb mentioned that though he did say you know maybe we could have repped the ones against the ones a little more that was something that that he's brought up uh we got a couple more and then we'll get to some chat questions chris says Hey, Ryan, do you guys think that it's possible to change the base defense this week, or can they at least make enough of a change to maybe have a little bit more success, or is it just completely unrealistic? My thoughts are they literally cannot do any worse, so why not try? Maybe by the UCLA game, they could have at least have earned the basics of a new defense, uh, have learned, I think he means, and have a little more success than they are now. In other words... If they run the same, quote, gap defense with similar play calls, how can the results be any different? 
interested uh, in your comments or feelings from Chris. I don't think we'll see any like big schematic change like, oh, another linebacker comes in and we'll only rush three or we'll drop one of the safety. You know what I mean? I, I do think we'll see the guys run in their same positions and they'll look the same. But like, what can you change? I, I, I think simplifying things are, is, is what we've talked about a lot. I, I just think like you don't have to be so aggressive. You know what I mean? Like to what I said about the run earlier, like just kind of play it naturally. Like just go out there and if they run the ball, do what feels right instead of, okay, you got to get a field and you got to do this and you got to do that. Just kind of go out there and play. And maybe that's not what the, the emailer is asking for, but that's sort of my overarching thing. I don't really know how much you can change in, in six days. I think there's high level thought like there there are plays I'm sure in the Alex Grinch playbook that keeps like safety's back and allows plays to sort of like happen in front of you instead of everyone, you know, kind of running into a gap and if somebody misses it there's nobody to tackle them they're just gone. You know, I, I feel like there's ways you can be like all right, well Let's make it so if one guy misses, it doesn't lead to a touchdown. So, okay, so maybe we're going to give up more five and six yard runs because I don't have that extra guy in the box or he's not coming up to to help here. But he's back and he can, you know, get to the ball carrier or the pass catcher and and stop him for a 12-yard gain instead of 60. I feel like there's things like that you could do just like, hey, we're not going to call these, like you mentioned, the aggressive part. Not necessarily meaning like you're just blitzing every time, but just being where like be aggressive, knowing that you're calling a play that's risky because if this guy misses or this guy misses or this guy misses, like there's nobody to save him afterwards. There's no, you know, the whole safety position is of safety and it doesn't seem like they're used as those safety valves at all. Maybe you do that where you're you're backing off and keeping things in front of you and making a team, you know, matriculate down the the field as opposed to the huge explosive plays like your biggest Achilles heel is the explosive plays. So can you call stuff that you're backing off a little bit more and not allowing their explosive plays? Like take that thing away that they're doing well. You're one of the worst in the country at giving up explosive plays. So, okay, we're going to focus on not doing that. We're going to back off a little bit and not be as aggressive. You know, I think you could do stuff like that. You're not changing like all the, you know, the, the fundamentals of it, but you can call it differently. You can make it simpler. You can not have 15 checks before the ball is snapped. Just like, here's the defense, go run it. If they run something that counters it, whatever, we'll figure it, we'll figure it out for the next play. If that makes sense. Oregon does do a lot of short passes and they just kind of death you by a thousand paper cuts. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if, but allow that. Yeah. But I, I, mean, I think you have to allow it because, when they're a death by a thousand paper cuts offense that in against USC would be explosive play offense, right? Like Washington wasn't a running team, but against USC, they were like, I think you could sort of have to make them do that and they do it. Well, that's whatever. So that might be tough, but don't let the explosive play beat you. And Oregon's not an explosive play team, right? Maybe I know I said they wouldn't alter like positions, but if they do decide to make a change and they, and they want to, try to slow down the run a little bit better and, and eliminate some of those shorter passes. Maybe you do bring in another linebacker instead of like a rush end or a defensive end, someone who's just there really to uh, get the passer and 
of course, help in run coverage, but maybe a linebacker who's a little bit more versatile to try to just compete better with Oregon? Is that something they look at? I don't know. I'm going to need to see exactly what it looks like Saturday and like I, I, I'm not very good at predicting right now because I think it's so up in the air what happens. It's very up in the air. Um, yeah, it's crazy right now. But I'm cur- really curious to see what happens. We got one last uh, email. Uh, hello, Ryan. It's been a couple of days since the firing of Alex Grinch. My question is, why is it that every time USC plays, the opposing, the opposite opponent tends to have a career day against this defense? Do they not study film and see what is coming? Grinch did say he didn't see the wheel route on Utah film, I guess that answers that, LOL. I know USC will always have a target on their back, and teams are going to bring their A game against us every time. Hopefully the new defense coordinator that comes in is great at developing players and uh, brings that hard-nosed toughness this defense needs. Love the podcast and keep up the great work. Fight on and beat the Ducks. Why does one guy have a career day who you wouldn't think would have a career day every time? It's because the defense isn't that good. There there you yeah. go. And the, the guy coaching it, was having a tough time. So I know that's sort of the easy answer, but that that's why. Like, why does something like that consistently happen? It's no, they're in the wrong play or they're, they're doing this right. They're not very good overall. Yeah, and it it wasn't that you were close. No. Like, that's the problem. Like, it wasn't close. If you're close, then that doesn't happen week after week after week, you know? Um, the, the odds were stacked against you from what you were doing. The Poor teams look better than they normally would. The good teams look better than they normally would. Um, the whole, I think, you know, the averages being like, look at what an offense's averages are. And when they play USC, they're here. Like, that's a very simple thing. And that was a consistent. This is their average on offense. And they, you know, exceed that when they play USC. That means you're not close. Like, you're, you know, relative each week. Teams look better. Like you would, if you're going to like show highlights of an opponent's offense, you're probably going to show a lot of the USC highlights because they did better against USC than they did against their other opponents. Like, oh, they played Utah, it didn't look very good, but against USC, they look great. Um, why is that? I mean, that's that means you're not close. Um, so, yeah, so we kind of harped on that, I guess. Unfortunately, Riley uh, said that they were close a lot this year. That not not a good look. Now, a couple of weeks no. later, week in or week out. People looked, they had career days or a way above average, and that's bad. Uh, YouTube chats from, uh, let's see. Oh, okay, so here it is. Question, why is Caleb not in the Heisman race if he's leading the pack in stats? I do think he played better than Michael Penix against uh, Washington. Penix, of course, won the game. That's what's most important. They both had one pretty big error. Caleb with the fumble, Penix had the pick. Besides that, they they were solid. I just think it's voter fatigue and it's USC underperforming. It's not Caleb's fault, but those are the two biggest factors. Him also having a big clunker against Notre Dame, that kills you. If he had played a really good game against Notre Dame and they lost 49-48, to I think it'd be right there. But the fact that all those factors are working against him and he had one true clunker, I think that's probably uh, the three things right there. Yeah, I talked about this earlier. I'm, I'm a Heisman voter. To repeat, he was going to need to have better numbers, which he's had, but you also have to have team success. And that, that's where he had upside, where if he made the playoff or won the Pac-12, he elevated a team in year one and then elevated it again in year two. They haven't been elevated. Now, it's not his fault. He's been great. 
for the most part. But uh, it's hard to win the Heisman. Like, there's not a lot of – I mean, look at anyone that's three losses. You're going to win the Heisman. Like, there's guys that run for, like, 2,000 yards on mediocre teams. Like, they're not going to win the Heisman. Um, you know, the Timmy Changs on, like, a Hawaii team that, you know, loses six games, but he throws for a billion yards. Like, those guys don't win the Heisman. He's on a bad team. He's on a team that's unranked. So it's really hard to win the Heisman unless he, you know, unless he had like absolutely ridiculous numbers, which his numbers are amazing. I think the most important thing is you got to see him and Penix head to head. If you thought that Penix should be the Heisman winner over him, fine. They're undefeated. Like you get that. You're the quarterback of an undefeated team. You could be Gino Toretta and still win the Heisman and not, not be that good. Penix is really good. But I feel like you saw them head to head. Who's the better pro prospect? Who's going to get higher drafted higher? That's Caleb Williams. Like that's not that's not hurting his stock. But to win the Heisman, you can't be on a bad team. It is wide open though. That's what's sort of frustrating about this year too. Like if the defense was a little bit better, Caleb Williams probably is right in the mix again. USC's right in the mix for the Pac-12 championship. Just sort of highlights the Lincoln Riley uh, problems that he's had. Like. The numbers, if, if you look at Penix right now, the favorite in Williams, I think you'd have to take Caleb's numbers. Penix hasn't had the one clunker, so that works against him. But overall, if we're, we're looking at the whole body of work, it's tough not to pick the, the Caleb Williams numbers. I mean, his touchdowns to interceptions are amazing. So it's it's frustrating, I think, for USC fans to to see that Caleb's having this great statistical year and not really be as close as, as he should. Like, Bo Nix, I, I think, is a touch overrated, and he's probably going to, you know, dominate USC and they'll win big. But like, I, I don't think he's a, a Heisman guy, in my any, opinion. Any Oregon fans, you want to clip that so you can say like, Connor, USC guy says, yeah. Bo Nix is overrated. He throws for seven touchdowns against the USC revamped defense, or whatever. You know, uh, no, that's true. I, I'm not. Yeah, I think Bo Nix has been great for, but he's more of a game manager. He's not like Penix is explosive. Caleb Williams is explosive. Um, Bo Nix is most of his passes are near the line of scrimmage. So, which I mean, he does that really well, but that's not a Heisman winning per, uh, quarterback. I would say Joshua says, uh, I think the moment Lincoln Riley knew he had to fire Grinch was when the defense ignored his high five. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, clip. I, I saw that. That was like, that was tough. You know, that was, that was a tough one to stomach. Like you don't want to see that. It's tough to read too much into those internet clips, but I mean, that's an easy one. Like, the leader of the defense is saying, let's all do a handshake. And everyone's like, no, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what does that tell you? Yeah. Um, okay. We got one from, I love when people talk money, Andrew, what's the budget for a defensive coordinator? Is it a blank check? Uh, I'd say the going rate, you know, people are like, oh, Lincoln Riley makes all this money. He's making the going rate for a, a quarter, a, 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 a head coach with that kind of a resume with Heisman's, and playoff appearances and conference championships. That's what a going rate is. We don't know what it is. I mean, in the 10 million range, if they need to pay $2 million for a defensive coordinator, like I think they would pay it. You know, I just, whatever the going rate is, is it two and a half? I don't know, but I don't think there's going to be an issue. Pay any thoughts on that, Connor? I don't think money is a problem either. I think people read into that a little bit too much, like, oh, they're paying all these staffs and they're going to run out of money. I, I, I don't see it that way. I think you're just like, if they have to bring in a new head coach, that's different, but a defensive coordinator, I, I think a team and a school like USC is going into the big 10. There's always going to be money available to hire one really great impact coach. 
if you have to hire a bunch of head coaches in a row, then we can talk financials. But right now, a school like USC, there's no excuse, even with some of the past transgressions that have occurred for them not to have enough money to bring in the best candidate possible. All right. Uh, we've Simon says... You like how I put that? <laughs> Lincoln Riley has always publicly defended Grinch. Uh, says they've been quote one play away all season long. Do you think he really believes that? And if so, I hope not. How does he not see the obvious problems? I think Shotgun has explained this. He says that so a lot of the casual fans like hear and say, "Oh, that's what our head coach is saying." He's yes. right. We're, we're we are we are close. And I think a lot of people who pay attention and understand better and, and are more into it to see right through that. So I, I don't know, maybe he's just trying to do a thing where he gets the majority of people on his side compared to a smaller group who cares more. But I feel like you want the people who care the most to be on your side. I, I don't know why he, he says stuff like that at the end of the games, it's all about wins and losses. And if he's winning, he can say whatever he wants, but saying that they were one play away from beating Washington, like they were one play away from taking a fourth quarter lead against Washington, but that's not what he said. He said they were one play away from beating Washington, just not an honest statement that bugs me. Yeah, I get it. You're a hater. But also, <laughs> also a defender and a homer. It depends, both sides yep. or whatever. I'm and you're also trashing Bo Nix. So oh, yeah. I haven't looked at the chat, I'm sure. His stats are good. He's only thrown two picks, which is fewer than, than Caleb Williams has. He's having a fantastic year. I'm not trying to yeah. belittle him. But if you like, just watch Caleb Williams play and watch these other guys play, like Penix, I think is fantastic. And Bo Nix, I think, is a little bit off compared to uh, Caleb and, and Penix. But Caleb, to me, is just in his own class, and that's a guy who watched him week in and week out. Yeah, Bucky Irvin's a really good running back for Oregon, so watch out for him. I know he, he might not have been practicing this week. We'll have to see. No, I talked to the, some Oregon 247 guys, though, but it, it, like uh, Dan Lanning does such a good job of keeping injuries close to the vest, and a lot of times guys who are a little banged up don't show up till practice like halfway through, <sighs> and then the media's not there anymore, so Lanning will be asked about a guy – and then he'll say, what do you mean? He was there. Why are you guys – it's fake news. Why are you guys bringing up stuff that's wrong? And it's like, well, we weren't there to see him yeah. arrive. When we were there, he wasn't there. So I think we're waiting on a little bit more clarity on that. It's certainly a big story, though, and I think people close to Oregon are a little concerned he might not play, which my response is, does it really matter yeah, based someone on else will. how uh, USC's defended the run the last few weeks? Someone else will come in and run for a million yards. But, yeah, um, Bo Nix has been – I mean, to rebuild your career – like uh, mm -hmm. he's the only quarterback I think in college football history to have 55 touchdowns at two different places. So he had a successful career at Auburn and then was able to have multiple, you know, multiple years uh, in, uh, in Eugene. And uh, like I said, more of a game manager, uh, they, you know, there's a lot of the passes that kind of go towards the line of scrimmage and stuff, but they do it really well. And they, you know, it, it works. I thought Extremely would, effective. Yeah, I thought it would be a little fall off with Kenny Dillingham uh, being at Arizona State, but I think they've uh, done really well. I mean, they could have easily beat Washington in that game. They're number six in the college football playoff rankings. So, and they they've bludgeoned some teams like where you're like, oh, that's a pretty big spread. No, I mean what they did to Cal, it was a it was not not pretty. Um, you know they've. What they did to Utah in Utah, whoa. You know, the week after USC loses to Utah, it's, it's a legit team. And uh, Land Danning, like, you know, you could say, that's what we like to call him. Uh, no head coaching experience. And I think he's done some really good things up there. And so this is a huge challenge for USC coming up this weekend. 
We will have, um, if you're going to be up there, check out all our Twitters. Uh, we're going to have a meetup on Friday night in Portland. We've been doing these at most of the cities, and it's been a lot of fun. Didn't do one for Berkeley, but all the other road games we've done one. A lot of fans have come out, so uh, check USCFootball.com. We haven't picked the place yet, but we will uh, real soon. So Friday night in Portland, if you're going to be around, we're not doing any kind of tailgate or anything, um, but we will be there. I'm actually going to be on stage for some radio, local radio show, I think, uh, up there. So come, whatever. Check out the festivities. But hopefully you can meet with us uh, Friday night if you're going to make the, the trip up there. Should be a lot of fun. Um, any final thoughts, uh, Connor, before we let everybody go? Just looking ahead of the game, I don't see how USC wins and the staff and the players say we have a great opportunity. If, if we win these next two games, we can get to the Pac-12 championship. That's all true. I just think the way everything's transpired, you're playing Oregon at the worst possible time on the road. And Dan Lanning knows this is the kind of game that recruits are watching USC and Oregon go after a lot of the same recruits. Maybe USC's defense does get a little bit of a spark. And I'm not saying the team's going to quit or anything like that. I think they're going to fight, fight, fight. But I think Oregon is a complete team and their defense is really good. Their offense puts opposing defenses in tough spots. They, to me, look like the best team in the Pac-12, and I think USC's shown that they're limited. It's a really, really tough matchup for the Trojans. For sure. They look better than Washington, to be fair, outside of the game that they did lose to Washington in Seattle. But since then, um, you know, Washington could have lost to Stanford, uh, to Arizona. Michael Penix didn't even throw a touchdown pass. You know, some one-score games there. They, you know, they beat USC by 10 and score a lot. But Oregon's just looked better since they've played. Um so maybe some of it's just like kind of a hangover. It's tough to win week after week. Washington is still undefeated. Uh, second longest winning streak in the country, I believe, behind Georgia. So, um, yeah, they're they're really good. I think Oregon, even though Washington beat them, Oregon might be better. So we'll uh, we'll see. It should be a fun weekend. USC's got talent. You got Caleb Williams. You always have a puncher's chance. Maybe the defense is better. Maybe it's still going to be god-awful. My guess is it's probably still going to be god-awful. But, you know, maybe we'll see a little spark. Uh, but we appreciate everybody uh, ch- uh, tuning in and listening to the uh, Parastyle podcast. Uh, we do a lot of shows, so thanks for uh, picking this one. Um, I know there's a lot of stuff out there you can listen to. So we thank you for you know being letting us be a little part of your day. And when you come say hi, it does mean a lot to us. We, we appreciate when people come and say hello. And, uh, you know, especially when Connor's like getting ripped uh, on both sides, <laughs> which is fun. So I love it. So when a chat was, he wanted you to comment on... Uh, he was like, I want to try to get him in trouble with Michigan fans. So he wanted to talk about, um, what's the Michigan quarterback? I forget his name. Um, JJ McCarthy. Yeah, McCarthy. is like, he wanted to get your comments on McCarthy. So Michigan fans could, they, Michigan fans have their hands full right now. So I don't know if they have, they, they, they're they worried about this Connor Stallions thing and everything. So very, very fun. Uh, all right. Well, that's going to wrap it up. Uh, that is Connor Morissette. <laughs> yep. AKA triple double. Uh, I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. And uh, we will talk to you next time. If it seems like the crew at your neighborhood Trader Joe's is having fun, it's probably because we are. And now we're having fun on a podcast, too, called Inside Trader Joe's. Let's talk about what makes Trader Joe's Trader Joe's. The products, the customers, the crew. Why is everybody so nice? Because they are. Because they are. Inside Trader Joe's is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. And thanks for listening.
You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 